We've been on this series of the wisdom of God. This morning we have the Children's Church in here with us. And in just a moment we're going to have a super secret video for you to see. Instead of our normal story here in the beginning. But what we've been going over is that revelation when it is given to us. That I must first off seek revelation. I must secondly hear it. I have to accept it. Perform it. And endure. We said that was the shape analogy. Seek, hear, accept, perform, and endure. One of the toughest things to do, though, once you get through that, is endure. It is hard for us to continue on because things continually come at us to try and pull us off of that revelation, that understanding that we gain from God. Reasoning, we saw, was an enemy to revelation. That too often we reason out. We looked at some people who had the obvious solution staring them in the face, and that can sometimes be a hindrance to us. We looked at the man at the pool of Bethesda. Obvious solution for his problem, get in the pool. The noble man, get Jesus to come back with you. The ten lepers, have Jesus wave his hand or do something. And uh, that would take care of that. But all of them had something different that they had to do. And when they did what revelation they got, then we saw some spectacular things happen. And all of them had their awesome moment. And God wants us to have our awesome moment. But we saw that awesome can be turned to awkward in how long? Just a few seconds. Just a few seconds, we can go from awesome to awkward. And so we got a video here for you to see to demonstrate how quickly we can go from awesome to awkward. We ready, Beck? The fleet's cleared space dock, Captain. All ships ready for work. Set course for Vulcan. Aye, aye, Captain. Course laid in. Maximum war. Punch it. Lieutenant, where's Helmsman McKenna? He has longworms, sir. He couldn't report to his post. I'm Hikaru Sulu. And you are a pilot, right? Very much so, sir. I'm, uh, I'm not sure what's wrong here. Is the parking brake on? I uh, know. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'm just. Have not... you disengaged the external initial dampener? Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. scene to show you how you can go from awesome to awkward in just a few seconds. God wants us to have awesome moments in our life, and he gives us commands that if we follow them, when he gives them to us, things can become awesome. But when we delay and we begin to reason out, we find reasons why I shouldn't obey right away. We go from awesome to awkward. Very quickly. There are many times in our life that we have hit places like these people we looked at where they are given a command, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. <coughs> and if we sit there and reason out why we can't, we've lost our awesome moment. Not only does it become awkward, but it become awful because we let something go that was supposed to be grand, that was supposed to be great. I think you've got to almost feel... Lieutenant Sulu's 
be in, be in his shoes. You can just kind of feel that anticipation. We're trying to go into warp, and then all of a sudden nothing's working. And oh, how even if you don't like the movie, or you got to understand that scene. That's just a great depiction of awkward that we that we can have in our life. But do you understand that God has given us revelation? And when God speaks revelation to us, if we will instantly obey the voice of our spirit, we can have some tremendous things. But when we delay and we don't do it, we find reasons not to, whatever it might be, we lose that. Awesome becomes awkward. Awkward becomes awful. And it's, uh, it's not quite what we have. We're going to look today. I told you the story we have looked at before. If, uh, if I ever made up a list of my top five stories in the Bible. This is one of them. This woman we can learn so much from. And I think when we get in heaven, she's going to be one of those people I want to sit down and I want to talk to her about some of the things that are going on with this. But in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. That is a long time. And had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. If you flip over to Luke chapter 8, we're going to see a little thing that he puts in here. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Could not be healed by any. Do you have a problem that cannot be solved by any of the experts, by any of the things that you've tried? Do you have a problem that has, for 12 years or longer, been a problem for you and will not find a solution? And you can relate to this woman. This uh, woman with the issue of blood. We go over this story a lot. If I could, I'd go over it three or four times a year. We usually end up going over at least twice a year. This is just such an awesome story. You can learn so much from this. If you ever get to the place where you think, well, I've learned all that I can, then you've missed what, you, what is going on in this story. Twelve years, she spent all her money that she had for the physicians, for the things that people had said to her to do, and nothing had gotten better. In fact, she grew worse. And when Jesus heard, and when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Is this an awesome moment for her? Boy, that surely would be. Can you, uh, 12 years going through this thing, and all of a sudden, in one moment, it is gone. That is an awesome moment. But this awesome moment didn't come because God suddenly spoke something to her, and she had to obey. No one said to her, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. This woman got her awesome moment differently. And we need to learn what she, how she got her awesome moment. Because sometimes we sit back and we wait for God to say something to us, and we don't find that awesome moment this woman did not wait for god to sit back or for god to say anything to her she developed this awesome moment on her own and if we can learn how she developed her awesome moment we can develop ours and jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him turned around in the crowd and said who touched my clothes now he didn't just say it one time and the disciples uh, come up and say, he kept saying, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched my clothes? Did you do? Who touched my clothes? He kept going on about it, almost to the point where it was awkward. 
for a lot of people because no one was coming forward and saying anything about it. And he kept going. Who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? We're on the way to somewhere. The disciples said, we need to get going. We're not going. We're here trying to find out who touched the clothes. So the disciples come in and they said, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? There's all kinds of people touching you. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Jesus said in one place, he says, no, someone touched me and healing power went out. Someone touched me and healing power. Someone was pulling on the healing power. There's a whole lot of people touching Jesus, but only one got healed. I'll tell you what, we could meditate on just that one aspect of it and, and just come away with something. A whole bunch of people are touching Jesus. There's a whole lot of folks that are going to Jesus for things. There's a whole lot of people praying, asking for things. whole lot of people... But not everybody's getting it. And we want to blame Jesus. And it's not his fault. Jesus says, no, but someone touched me. And healing power went out. Someone touched me and pulled healing power out. That means you can touch Jesus and no healing power comes out. Or you can touch Jesus and healing power comes out. Anything can go on. But Jesus knew it when healing power went out. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him. And told him the whole truth. We've gone over this before. She gave him the whole story. <laughs> if you're Jarius, you're saying get, shorten the story up. Let's get the abridged version. But she's giving him the whole story. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What made her well? Her faith. Now, we go back to the beginning part here. And she, when she heard, she went through all this thing with other people. And when she heard about Jesus. How did she hear about Jesus? We had to figure this out on our own because the Bible does not tell us. But put yourself in the woman's shoes. How do you think she heard about Jesus? Do you think an angel showed up, told her about Jesus? No, I don't think an angel showed up and told her about Jesus. Think she had a dream or a vision? I don't think she had a dream or a vision. I think she heard about Jesus the same way that we all hear about other people. Folks, I, did you hear about Jesus? He's over in the other town. Healings were going on. I saw so-and-so. I'd known them for a long time. They had this condition, and they got healed. And she heard about Jesus, and after a while hearing about Jesus, I'm sure she began to ask about things. Did you see the meetings with Jesus? I was there. Oh, good. Can I ask you some questions? Did this happen? What else, what else went on? What kind of people were healed? What kind of afflictions? How did he heal them? And she's asking, probably asking questions. She heard about Jesus. As she heard about jesus something was building on the inside of her something was going on on the inside and telling her hey this is something going this is something good she's she's hearing about jesus now i ask this question of god i don't know if you i hope you do hope you ask questions of god and say god how come this is so i asked this of god i said this woman got faith built up hearing about jesus how can we tell if we have become closed to hearing revelation. How can we tell? Because I'll tell you what, I have, I have interacted with a lot of people, and you have too. How many of you have interacted with some people and they are closed to the idea of Jesus? They are closed to the idea of healing. They are closed to the idea of the Holy Spirit moving on them. They are closed to God doing miracles. They are closed to God doing something for them. Show up at church. Some people show up at church every Sunday, but they're closed to God doing something for them. How did they get to the place of being 
closed. And how can I tell if I am? Because the one thing you can't tell, if, if you talk to those people, if they realized they were closed to something good, how many of you all know they would change it? But the reason that they don't change it is because they don't know that they are closed to something good. So if they don't know it, could it happen to us? Could we get to a place where I am closed to what can happen, what God can do in my life? And if so, how can I tell? So I asked this question to God. I said, how can I tell if I am closed to hearing revelation? How can I tell if I am closed to hearing wisdom about my situation changing? And the answer came pretty clear. I like how Keith puts it. He says, I don't mean that I, I heard a voice, but only the inside of me. That's about how most of the time it goes. You just hear a voice on the inside of you, just instructing you and telling you. And so this is what I have. He says, people who are cynical about everything are closed to revelation. People who are cynical about everything are closed to revelation. So I pondered that for a little bit. I says, well, how, how many of you are cynical about some? I, 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 my first thing I popped in my head, my head was the media. I am cynical about the media. If they open their mouth, my instant thought is you're lying. That's my first thought. If you open your mouth on the TV, you're on a new show, I think you're lying. I am very cynical about the media. And so I asked them about that. I, I began to ponder about this. Well, am I closed because there are certain groups of people that if they open their mouth, I will not hear what they have to say. And this came to me. No. When we are closed to certain groups because of certain things that have gone on in their life, we are being wise and not being deceived. Because the Word of God also said, do not be deceived. Many will go out in my name. We have to be careful of that. He said, but you, there are some people who are cynical about everyone. Everyone. Friends, family, co-workers, bosses, movies, news people, all the cynical about it. No matter who says what, you've got something negative to say about it. If that describes you, you are closed to revelation. And the power of God can't work in you. Now, you can fix it. Get yourself open. Don't be cynical about everyone. Understand that there are some folks that are out there trying to pull you down. There are some people that are just deceived. And be careful with those. And it's all right to be cautious and thinking, all right, more than likely you're lying because they have lied over and over in the past. But if you just meet someone or you have someone in your life and you know they haven't necessarily hurt you all the time, maybe once in a while something has come up, maybe it was even your fault, their fault, whoever it might be, but don't be cynical about everyone. But you know, it's easy to get that way. If you are not careful, your flesh will take over and you will become cynical about everyone. You have to be careful not to do that. The Word of God tells us to think the best of, think the best of people. Now, if they prove you wrong, if they prove that, they, well, they're, they're not here for the good thing. Well, all right. Then, you know, they expose themselves. You can just sometimes go out to people. Why are you doing that? Because I hate people. Okay. Now I know. You can just ask people, and sometimes they'll tell you. They tell you, then you, you know, you're, you're straightened up on it. But when you first meet somebody, you shouldn't be cynical about them. If you first meet somebody, and your first thought is, "What do you want?" If you first meet somebody and said, "What lie are you going to tell me?" Then you're probably cynical. Too much so 
and you need to back off on some of that. It's okay to, to be careful about people who have deceived in the past, not to be deceived by them. But if you just meet someone, give them the benefit of the doubt. It helps you in your spirit because the spirit of God would speak things to you and the same trait that you have picked up of being cynical with everyone around you, as soon as the Spirit of God says anything, you are cynical to Him. Now, what do you think if the man at the pool said to Jesus, Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. He says, in what lifetime? You think that would have gone over well with Jesus? I don't think we would see about see Him in the, uh, in the book. We can't meet that with, with, with cynicism. When God gives us revelation, I need to be receptive to it. I need to receive. I need to hear it. I need to accept what it is that he is saying to me. That's part of the shape thing. So when she heard, she tried everything in the past. She heard and nothing worked. How many of you all know after 12 years of trying all these fix-it things from physicians and people who went around healing people, because I'm sure there are other people who went around healing people, that she, was, she could have said, you know what? This is just another one like I have run into before. But something did not, she didn't do it. She was not cynical of everyone. That's real key. Real key. She was not cynical. She had a, you, you would say, anyone who's going to propose a solution for her after 12 years and no one having one, just taking her money, you could become cynical. But she did not. She heard about Jesus. She kept hearing about Jesus. She kept asking questions about Jesus. So one could get resistant to new revelation, but she did not. She kept herself open. So she must have pondered or meditated on what she had heard about Jesus. She must have gone over this. She must have pondered it. She must have heard. He was in the meetings and he's laying hands on people. And lame people are getting up. Blind people are seeing. Deaf people are hearing. These, are, these things are going on. She developed hope and a belief. She was hearing the things about Jesus. She developed, first off, she developed hope. She began to think, you know what? This might work for me. That's what hope is. This can change where I'm at. This can alter the thing that I'm facing. So she developed hope and she developed a belief. What belief did she develop? Well, listen to what she said. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. She developed a belief that the mere, merely her touching Jesus would bring about a cure. That was her belief. I don't know that that happened with anybody in any of the stories that she heard about Jesus' meetings. It may have. She may have just determined that, you know what? If Jesus is touching other people and power is going out, then maybe if I touch him, power will come from him into me. And she thought about that for a while. She says, I don't see why that wouldn't work. She developed the belief that if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. I shall be Develop that belief. She had hope. She had belief. So how did they come to her? Because she kept meditating on what Jesus could do. How Jesus could minister to her. How the power of God could work in her life. She developed hope. She developed belief. She kept meditating on it and staying with it. She is making her awesome moment. You don't just have to wait for something to happen from God to have an awesome moment. You can develop it. We're going to get more into that here in a little bit, but let's finish looking at some of the things with her. 
So how did this come to her? Through God-given revelation. She got a God-given revelation on this thing. It came up on the inside of her. She said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. That's a God-given revelation. She got that revelation. It came to her spirit. God spoke it to her spirit, and she believed it. It probably wasn't anything awesome like an angel, like a vision, some audible voice. But down in her spirit, if you, if you just touch the hem of his garment, you can be healed. Now, put this in your outline. Is this not wisdom for her situation? Isn't wisdom knowing the end at the beginning? If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Is that not a person who knows the end at the beginning? I get such a, a laugh at the news reports that come out. You know, the experts are surprised that the economy took a downward turn. Experts are surprised that more people were laid off. Experts were surprised. How many times do you hear that? The experts were surprised about something in the weather, something in the economy, something in the money supply, something around the world. Experts are surprised. If they are constantly surprised, how much of an expert are they? You don't have to be an expert to be surprised. We can be surprised at seeing something. That doesn't make us an expert. I don't understand. Why are these people are experts? Are they always surprised? I understand, you know, in the weather, you get surprised every once in a while. All right, that's fine. But when you're surprised every day, well, we're surprised it rained today. We weren't expecting it to, but it rained today. We were surprised. You get the next day, it snowed today. We weren't expecting the snow, but we were surprised. You get there the next day, it's sunny today. We were expecting rain. But after a while, you think you guys are not experts. Knowing the beginning, knowing the end at the beginning. This is her wisdom. Now, there are many times that people have heard things that developed nothing of spiritual value. You can have people sit in the same meeting, hear the same word being taught, see the same things going on. People could be in Jesus' meetings and see the same things, hear the same things. And some people come out of there ready to kill them. Some people coming out of there ready to believe them. And some people come out of there unsure which way to go. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll come back and we'll hear this, uh, hear this again. It's not the, the hearing. It's not the words that are spoken. It is us. It is us and what we do with it. This woman heard and developed a belief on the inside. She developed hope from what she heard. Other people heard this as well. She's the only one who developed this hope that if I come up behind him and touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. She's the only one, as far as we know, that Jesus stopped what he was doing to find out who touched me. She's the only one. Everybody else heard these same things. It's not so much that we have to hear things that are different. We need to do something with what we heard. I got I to gotta learn from what I've heard. I got to apply what I heard. I got to do something. I'm getting things, but what am I doing with what I have? Am I meditating on it? Am I seeing how this word can change my situation? Or am I scoffing at it? Am I skeptical? Skeptical. Oh, well, I have, I've heard that before. It hasn't ever worked for me. It won't ever work for you either until you get rid of that attitude. See, the devil loves to sneak in and get you skeptical of other people because if he can get that attitude worked in you enough, he'll get you skeptical of the word of God. He'll have you become a skeptic of every word that you hear about the Bible. And you'll stop 
growing. You'll stop progressing. You're, you became skeptical in areas where you didn't think it mattered. And it filtered over in areas that did. The devil understands this. He knows it. Now, we already said this, but who did she hear about Jesus from? Other people. Other people. Other people, folks, can bring you revelation. Other people can bring you things to build your faith. Other people. It's not just the Holy Spirit. It's not just the Bible. Those things are good. But other people can bring you things. When we have testimony time at the end, when we have praise reports, these are things you can hear. Wow, this person's situation turned. Oh, this person got this. This thing happened for them. Things can turn in your life. It can build faith. It can build, well, I don't know why that's always happened for them and not for me. It can build that too. One's going to help you. One's going to hurt you. Put this in your outline. People can give the report, teaching, testimony, and such, but it is the Holy Spirit who speaks revelation to our spirit. I'll hear these things from other people. I'll hear their praise reports. I'll hear the teaching from the Word of God. I'll hear testimonies that they give. But when I take all those things in and I ponder them, it's the Holy Spirit who speaks up in my spirit revelation. Steve, if you'll do that, you'll get it. Oh, yeah. If I do that. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit who speaks revelation to you. Brother Hank shared that story when he was pondering. I know I'm in faith. I know I'm in faith. Why isn't it happening for me? And the Spirit of God came up on the inside of him and said, you believe as far as you know. He had, a, he had to know more. So he set out to learn more. If I learn more, I can believe more. That's what his problem was. So she developed belief. I have this in the Weiss translation. I wanted to read for you. And a woman having come who had a flow of blood for 12 years and endured much suffering under the hands of many doctors and had spent all of the things which she had and was not even one bit improved, but rather grew worse, having heard the things concerning Jesus, having come in the crowd behind, touched his garment, for she kept saying, If I touch even his garments, I shall be made whole. And immediately there was dried up the fountain of her blood, and she suddenly came to feel in her body that she had been healed of her plague and was at that moment in a state of health. Awesome. She kept saying. How often have we kept saying to ourselves, I know this is going to get worse. I know my situation is just not getting better. I, and we, we talk to ourselves negatively about it. I just know it's not, not working here. I know that God won't come through for me. God hasn't come through me for me before. I just know in this area of my life, he just doesn't seem to come through. He comes through me in this area. He comes through for me on this area. But this area, he just doesn't seem to be able to come through for me. And we keep meditating on that. We keep saying that. We're building belief in that in our life. We need to break that cycle. Twelve years, this woman had this blood issue. Twelve years, she sought after other people to help. Twelve years, she had failure. Spent all her money. And now here comes Jesus. But she's got a problem. I'm unclean. He's a rabbi. I can't ask him to touch me because he's, I'm unclean. And he may not be willing to do that. But if I sneak up behind him, he doesn't know what's going on. And that's what she did. And she got healed. So she heard the report and pondered what it meant for her. She kept hearing and pondered it. How many times have we heard the word and pondered what it can do for us? Or do we just hear the word and go home? 
Do we hear the word and ponder? How can that make my life awesome? Now, revelation comes and she develops faith in it. She had a belief and she developed faith in that belief. I put this in your outline for you. What you do with revelation when it comes develops what it can do for you. What you do with revelation when it comes develops what it, the revelation, can do for you. She got this revelation. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. She kept saying it to herself over and over. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. You need to say things to yourself over and over and over. It's really easy to say the negative of things over and over again. Oh, my back. Oh, my head. Oh, my leg. Oh, my arm. Oh, my whatever it might be. Oh, it's just always hurting. Oh, it's just always being this way. It's easy to talk that way, isn't it? It, it, We don't have to work at it. You know why? Because I have a belief that what is broken is going to stay broken. It's really easy to believe that. But to believe that what is broken is going to get fixed. To, To believe that what is not right is going to be made right. That takes a little effort. So we got to get in there. No, this is going to be this way. This is going to be fit. I am going to do. I see myself. I develop faith. I develop hope. I develop belief. I see myself going in this direction. This woman over and over again. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Is touching the hem of his garment the only way this woman can be healed? No. Absolutely not. She could be healed all kinds of ways. But she got her faith on this way. So, in light of that, is touching the hem of his garment the way that this woman can be healed? Yeah, because she focused her faith on it. We need to focus our faith on the thing. She got a real revelation. She focused on it, got her faith on it, and went after it. What happens with a lot of Christians is we do not develop faith, belief, and hope on a revelation that we get from God. What we do is copy what others have done. There is no power in being a copycat. There is only power in working off of the revelation that you have. Taking the revelation that you receive. When you get that revelation, you don't necessarily have faith, hope, and belief on it. But you take that revelation, you ponder over it, you think on it, you meditate on it, you develop a belief, you develop a hope, and you have faith in it. And then you go out there and you do the thing. That's what you need to do. That's, that's not copycat. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? We command you to come out of him in the name of uh, Jesus, whom Paul preaches. They're copying what, what they saw Paul do. Did it work for them? No, it's not going to work for them. They got beat up in the process. Too often, people come up and they get hands laid on them because someone else got hands laid on them and got healed. Too often people say, well, you pray for me because so-and-so got prayed for and they got healed. Yeah, well, so-and-so is working off of a revelation. You're working off of a copycat. There's no power in copycat. There's power in revelation. It doesn't have to be a brand new revelation that no one's ever had before. It just has to be a revelation for you. That God spoke, Steve, if you will do this, this will happen. (gasps) I see that. It's right there in the word. If I will believe, 
and someone lays hands on me, I will receive my healing. Oh, I begin to ponder that for a little while. I begin to think about that. Boy, if I get my healing, then I can start doing this and this and this. And I begin to envision myself going off and doing, oh, I can see myself doing this. I haven't been able to do that in a long time, but I'll be healed and I can do that. And I begin to develop hope, faith, and belief. And then I get myself ready. And the meeting comes in. And all right, I'm going to ask for hands to be laid on me today because I know when I have hands laid on me today, I will receive my healing. I know it because I've pondered it. But what happens a lot of times is people show up in the meeting. Well, I'm supposed to be in church, so I'm here. And here we are singing songs, and so I'm singing songs. And then someone says, anyone sick? Yeah, I'm sick. Do you want hands laid on you? Well, may as well. I mean, I'm here. Not going to be wasting any more time. Sure, go ahead and lay hands on me. And we lay hands on you. And what happens? Nothing. Why? Because there's no revelation. There's no power. There is a drawing out that needs to happen. She drew on the power of God by what she did before she got there. She drew on the power of God. She kept saying to herself, I know it. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. Why did she say that? Because she heard about Jesus. She asked people about Jesus. She pondered about Jesus. She began to think of what Jesus' ministry could do in her life. She wasn't skeptical even after 12 years of failure in the same area. She heard this and she says, you know what? I can have faith for that. And she had faith and she had belief and she launched out to do it. You cannot get the power of God by copycat. If you are in a meeting and something light turns on for you, you get revelation about it. You don't necessarily want to jump up and get hands laid on you right away. Sometimes you need to sit back there. You know what? I am going to ponder this and I am going to develop my faith so that when I come and have hands laid on me, I am drawn off of something. Because too often people come up and they have hands laid on them and expect the power to be on the other side. Remember how the story ended? Woman, your faith has made you whole. Jesus wasn't even involved. He's just there. He just had the garment. That was it. The power of God was in him. <laughs> but he did nothing to get it out. He just had it. Someone else came over and touched him. Touched him. Now, we understand this concept in just about everything else. There was a story we looked at not too long ago where Jesus came to a well. And there was a woman who came to that well to, to get water out of the well. We don't know what that's like anymore because we want water. What do we do? We turn on the faucet. That's all we got to do. Some folks have a well. If they have a well anymore, you got an electric pump. It's down in there. You still, you turn on the faucet. The electric pump goes into action, pumps up what you need, and you got water. But back in a, a while ago, it, they had wells, and for a while they had the hand pumps. You ever been around one of those that had the hand pump? They were kind of fun. You know, when you're real little, you kind of like it. When you're older, you don't want to be doing that anymore. But you have to go out to the, to the pump, and you pump, and you pump, and you pump, and the water comes out. But in Jesus' day, they didn't have pumps. They didn't have hand pumps. They had buckets. And uh, if the well was deep, then you needed a long rope on the end of that bucket. And so you got to take that bucket and you got to drop that all the way down in there and get that water into the bucket. And then you got to pull the water up. So the question that the woman asked Jesus when Jesus says that he, uh, he wants some, some water, 
that he has some water that he give. I have some living water. And the question that she asked him was, how can you draw the water out seeing you have no bucket? You have nothing to draw with. We understand the concept that in a well, water needs to be drawn out. But we think with God, it'll just come to us. We think, well, I want it. God wants to give it to me, so I should just get it. I just put myself in a position, turn on the faucet. Everybody else has done all the things. Everybody else has laid all the pipe. Everybody else has got the water towers going. They've got the reservoirs filled. I just turn on the faucet. I don't have to do nothing. Water comes out. That's not how it is, though. There's something you've got to do in your part. You've got to have a bucket. You've got to attach that bucket to a rope. You've got to drop that rope down into the well. You've got to draw out the water that you want. You've got to pull that rope all the way up. And I'll bet you that one bucket isn't going to be sufficient for you. So you're probably taking that bucket and filling another bucket and then dropping that bucket back down again, pulling it back up. If you want to get something that's down deep, you need to pull it out. You need to draw it out. This woman is going through the process of drawing out what she needs. There is healing power in Jesus. I need to draw it out. So she heard about Jesus. She meditated. She pondered. She developed the faith in a thing. And then she kept saying that thing over and over and over. So much so that when she came to the place where Jesus was, all, she, all I had to do is touch and power comes out. Now, I don't know what you, uh, some of the things that you do for, for a living, but some of the things that I have, some of the jobs I have done, I know what it's like to touch something and have power. There's this one big uh, thing we have in the shop. It's, uh, they're there to collect um, you know, wood chips. And in the summertime, it's, we have no trouble with it at all. But in the wintertime, there's a problem that comes up with the wood chip collector. And that is that uh, because there's plastic tubing and plastic, uh, there's, there's metal cages and there's plastic cages and it all collects the stuff. Anyway, with all these wood chips flying around, there's something that builds up in these things and it doesn't take long for it to build up because we have to empty it every once in a while. Every, uh, sometimes every 15 minutes we have to empty this thing when we're really going at it. And uh, static electricity builds up. And it's a plastic uh, bucket in the bottom, but it's a metal one up on top so it won't collapse on us. So it is metal. It is charged with static electricity in the winter. Not in the summer, but in the winter. It is charged with static electricity. Every single time I go up to the metal container after I turn it off, it, not only, I don't mean sometimes, I mean every single time I go up to the metal container, it is charged with static electricity. I know it. I know it because I have gone through it. You have to think about what you're going to do with this thing because when you touch it, power is coming out. <laughs> it is coming out. It is sometimes such a spark. You can see it across the room. Most of the time people are in there. Now, Christian does this too. He, he deals with the spark. I deal with the spark. And so, you know, you come on up to the tube. You, you're not going to get hit. I'm going to get hit with electricity. There's no doubt about it. You are going to get hit with electricity. That's just the nature of the job here. So we go on up to it and we take our, our hand. And you know, you, you, here it comes. All right. And so you, you go up to it and you kind of hit it real quick just to try and discharge some of the shock. And it comes out and it sometimes sparks bright. And you just kind of hit it real quick and, and uh, all right, that's some of it. And then what you don't want to do is grab it. You don't ever want to grab it because if you grab it, it's going through you. You don't want to do that. It's bad. And so you go up there and you hit it. And after you hit it the first time, you get rid of most of the static. And then you come, you recover from that one and you hit it again. 
And then that one usually does it. There's no more static in it. And then you can grab it by both things, pull it off, empty it out, and get ready to do it again for the, for the next time. But I remember the first time I learned about this was over at uh, Kelchner's Horseradish, and they told me ahead of time. But, you know, getting the revelation when someone tells you and getting the revelation when you walk through it is a different thing. And they said, for whatever it is about tartar sauce, tartar sauce carries an electric charge. We don't know what it is, but somehow plastic container, the pumping of the tartar sauce into the plastic container only happens on gallons. It doesn't happen on anything else because everything else is glass. This is plastic. And so they told us about this. And so we're, we're, we're working the thing. We're getting the tartar sauce in there. And, you know, I just, I liked whatever I do. I like to do it fast. It's just a thing I like to do. And so we're doing it fast and I'm going. And I know about this. They always tell you, when you're going along the floor, you pick up electricity. When you touch this, it has electricity in it. It can be a really nasty spark. Be careful. Discharge yourself somewhere before. Now, you can't do that in the shop where I'm at because that thing is charged, not me. But in the tartar sauce, we were charged and we had to make sure we discharge it. So you touch something metal to discharge yourself and then grab the tartar sauce and move it and you are fine. Well, I'm going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I forgot to discharge myself and I go up to the tartar sauce and I grab it they said the spark was so bright <laughs> and I went bouncing back about four or five feet I just bounced right on back to whoa that was that was something else that just went right through me and, hmm. and they, they saw the spark but you know I know what it's like to touch something and have power come out <laughs> it's it's something else but this is good power this is good. This is helpful power. She, when she touched it, that power came out. Why? Because she got things ready. In the same way it is in the shop, in the same way with the tartar sauce, you can charge things up so that when you touch them, but too often, folks, we're just going up to the thing and touching it. You can go up in my shop right now and you can touch that metal garbage can and it won't do a thing to you. will not do a thing to you because it's not charged. How it gets charged is when my shop vac is on, and the chips are flowing through it. All that movement causes static electricity to build up. It will discharge itself after a period of an hour or so. But, you know, you can't wait that long. That's why you have to go up there and discharge it your, yourself. There's a, there's a charge to it. You've got to develop that charge. We're too often, we're going up in the meetings. And we're just touching or getting touched and expecting power to come out. We've done nothing to build it up. Nothing at all to build it up. You got to do some things to build it up. You got to build it up mostly in you. You got to build something up on the inside of you so that when you go and touch, when you go and get hands laid on you, when you go and do the thing that your faith is believing for, things happen. So I put this in your outline. What you do with revelation when it comes develops what it can do for you. You've got to build up the charge. Build up that charge. She kept saying. Who did she keep saying it to? Herself. She's not saying it to anybody else. If anybody else heard her, they're probably trying to talk her out of it. Don't you get caught up in another one of those things. You've got no money left as it is. Don't be going out there. We don't want you to get your hopes up and get dashed to the ground again. But she kept saying, whether other people heard her or not, she kept saying, you just really got to say it to you. She's not saying it to God. She's not trying to get God charged up. Power's already there with God. She's got to get herself charged up. Get herself charged up. She did then. She did what she believed. She did what she believed. Now, belief is the confidence that something is true. That's what belief is. Belief is the confidence that a thing is true. Faith 
is the action of that confidence. You cannot say you have faith and don't do anything. I can have belief and not do anything. But I cannot have faith. I'll put it to you this way. I can have a belief that if I sat down in this chair, it would hold me up. That could be my belief. But I don't have faith until I actually sit down in the thing. If you're going across the river, you may have a belief that the bridge will hold your car up. But you don't have faith until you actually drive over. Faith is the action. Belief is what we need on the inside. There are often times when people put the action without the belief. That's copycat. You've got to have the belief, not just the action. It's important. You need faith and belief. Belief is what is charging this up. Faith is when I act on it. So I have a a belief. You know what? The word of God says that if I do this, God will do this. I have that belief. I can have that belief all day long. It's not changing my life. The man at the pool of Bethesda had the belief that if he got into the pool first, he would be healed. Right? What was preventing him from having that? He had to get in the pool. He had a firm belief. There was no doubt. The man had a belief. He was there every day. Every day he's there at the pool waiting to get in. Belief will not change your life. It can help, but there needs to be faith. But action by itself will not bring results. And so Satan often tries to get us to act without having the belief to back it up. When we don't have the belief to back it up, nothing happens. Just like I told you, you can go into my shop right now, touch that metal trash can, and it'll do nothing to you. We've done nothing to build up the charge. But if you ever hear uh, that thing going on, you hear that machine, the planer going, and you hear the, uh, I mean, it's a big shop vac. This is no little tiny shop vac you get over at the uh, Home Depot. This is a big sucker. It needs special power. To bring it in. It won't, you don't just plug it into the wall. It's got a special power coming on it. It's got almost three horsepower of pulling in uh, uh, wood chips. It sucks up a whole lot of stuff. If you aren't careful, I have safety glasses on when I do it because sometimes I've gotten the, the tube and it's still running. I have to take the tube off before I can take the thing apart. And I take the, the tube off and I think if I get that too close to my eye, that thing will suck my eyeballs right on out. Because <laughs> it is that strong. It is a, it's a incredibly strong. It's, and we need it to. It's pulling out some stuff. But it, it is generating this stuff. It's got a charge. Charge up your faith. Don't just act. Build it up. That's what she did. Matthew chapter 14. Now in the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, Matthew 14, verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down on the boat, out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did he have little faith? He didn't spend any time building this up, did he? Jesus said it, he jumps out. Now he started walking, but it didn't last very long. 
See, this is what happens if you don't build up your faith. If you don't get that charge going, you get hands laid on you and maybe you walk on the water for a little while. But then as soon as you get out there, your back starts hurting. Something else comes on in. People start saying, how's that thing doing? Oh, it'll probably come back tomorrow. Uh, There's just all kinds of encouraging words that they have out there. And, and you begin to talk yourself out of it. You begin to reason. Peter's walking on the water. Apparently he can do it. But then all of a sudden he looked around and says, you know what? I can't do this. I'm not supposed to be walking on water. And he begins to go down. And this is what happens to a lot of Christians. We get the idea that I can do this. And then we step out and we falter too soon. That woman didn't falter. She fought to the crowd. She touched the hem of his garment. She felt like, oh, man, Jesus is, is mad. And she still came on out and said, That's all right, this is what I did. So revelation comes to Peter. A belief is formed and an action follows. But then come the reasonings. And he begins to reason out amongst, well, this can't work. This can't go on. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, we saw the, the story of the fall of, uh, in the garden. And we said that the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat every tree of the garden? And what's he doing? Taking the revelation and trying to get people to reason it out. Reason, remember I said this, reason is the enemy of revelation. Reason is the enemy of revelation. Revelation will come to you. When revelation comes, it is right. Don't reason it out. Revelation comes to you. The revelation is right. The woman got that revelation. If you touch the hem of his garment, you will be made whole. Oh, I will. Well, we know what happened with this story. They uh, reasoned it out and they decided to go ahead and take the fruit. And uh, everything was great. Everything was going on wonderful around them. And then things were not so good anymore. Revelation was given. Good things were abounding. And the enemy confuses with reasonings. Don't let the enemy confuse you with reasonings. When you get a revelation, ponder it. Build yourself up. Get it charged. Get yourself ready. You need to be ready to explode like that trash can with the, elect- with the static electricity in it. He's just waiting for just somebody come over here. And it doesn't care. It's not like it's trying to get me. It, it is, if someone else came up and touched that thing, it would spark for them just as much. It's an indiscriminate sparker. You know, there's actually a whole apparatus. You can go, go in a wood uh, magazine, get a whole apparatus of stuff you can tie on and you know, wires and things like that to discharge it. Because if you are not careful, they actually have had fire start on this thing. Because you got all that electric, electric charge. And what's inside? Little tiny pieces of wood. You know how big pieces of wood don't get started real, real quick? So what do you do when you want to start a fire? You get smaller pieces. Well, these are even smaller than those. These are wood chips. And uh, you have to be careful because they can, they can start a fire. Charge it up. Get yourself charged up. Look at what she did. First off, she heard. She said. And she did. She heard. She said. And she did. What have you heard about the word? What have you heard about Jesus? What have you been hearing? We need to take that stuff that we heard. We need to ponder it. We need to go over it. She heard what was said she heard it then she began saying it if i just touch the hem of his garment i shall be healed i shall be healed then what did she do she went out there and she did it it is not enough to hear it is not enough to say you need to do you need to get out there and do hear it say it do it 
That's what you need to do. Revelation will come to you about your situation. Revelation is simply wisdom of how to fix what is wrong with you. Whether it be health, whether it be money, whether it be relationships, whether it be whatever situation is there, revelation is coming to help you in your situation. When it comes, I need to hear it. I need to say it, not reason it. I need to say it. God said. Remember what the devil said? Has God said? I say, God said. I need to say it. God said. I get myself charged up. This is why we tell you all the time, you need to ask for prayer. You need to tap into it. You need to have done something to charge it up and then come on in and say, I'm ready to receive. Just lay hands on me and I will receive. That's what you need to do. If, if that's the way that you were pondering. It may be that you are pondering another way. You may have pondered that if I just believe Jesus, if I just believe in the name of Jesus, I shall be healed. If I just, whatever it is, whatever you build up your faith for, whatever you are ready for, you got to do it. You got to do it. You can't just sit there and say it. You got to do it. You got to get it ready. What is it that you need to change in your life? This woman had a situation for 12 years. 12 years she had this issue of blood. 12 years. Sought after all kinds of, of, of things to fix it. And nothing seemed to work. She did not become skeptical of everything out there. She was ready when she heard about Jesus to believe. You got to be careful of what you're skeptical of. You got to be careful. You got to have faith. You got to believe. Whatever your situation is, you can change it around. Whatever it is. Because the Word of God tells us that nothing shall be impossible to him who believes. Get, it, get yourself charged up. Get yourself ready to go. So that when you reach out and do touch whatever it is that you've been believing, when you go out there and do it, power. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for such a great example in the word of God of this woman who after she heard about Jesus pondered all the things that were done and got a revelation of what could be done for her. And she spoke it out, said to herself what she needed to do. And when the opportunity came, she went out there and she did it. Father, there are things that we're facing in our life, situations that we need to turn around. And we can if we receive the revelation, if we ponder that revelation, if we develop a belief in that revelation and then go out there and do the thing that we were told. Once we do it, we need to endure. We need to stay with it. Father, any situation that we face, any situation that we face can be changed. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. I thank you for the faith that we have in your word for the constant hearing we can have of your word, people ministering on faith, healing, belief. Father, I thank you for that. If you head bowed, if you are here today and you say, I have a situation, maybe it's been going on 12 years, maybe it's been less, maybe it's been more, but it's been going on and I need to change it. And I need to build up my, I see what it is now. I just need to get myself to that place and build up my faith. Raise your hand up. We want to pray for you here. You're just going to have you pray. Pray for you right where you're seated couple of people already. Yep. Anyone else? Father, you see these folks that have these situations that they're facing? I thank you, Father, that if we ask for wisdom, you give it to us. Revelation comes to us about our situation. 
Revelation comes to us. When that revelation comes, we need to believe it. We need to receive it. Not reason it out, but to receive it. When the command says, if you do this, if you'll go show yourself to the priest, we need to go. The nobleman, if you go home and not bring me back with you, we need to just do those things. We have an awesome moments awaiting us. All we need to do is respond quickly to what it is that you say. As soon as you speak it to us, we need to respond. We need to begin to ponder the thing. Yeah, that thing can, Yeah, that thing's going to turn around. Yeah, I see how that thing does. Build up hope, build up belief. And then the time will come and action will come about. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.